Welcome to this latest episode in the Herbert Smith Freehills FDI Friday podcast series, in which our foreign direct investment regulation experts are sharing their insights into FDI regimes around the globe. I'm Ruth Allen, a professional support lawyer in our competition regulation and trade practice in London, and I'm joined today by colleagues from across our network of FDI experts. Hubert Sagan, head of our corporate team in Paris, Marius Berver, who leads our German regulatory practice, and Daniel Barrio, a senior associate in the competition, regulation and trade practice in Brussels. Unlike recent episodes in this series, where we've been focusing on the FDI regime of a particular jurisdiction, today we're going to be looking at FDI regulation at an EU level and focusing on the cooperation mechanism introduced by the EU FDI regulation, which entered into force on the 10th of April 2019 and became fully operational on 11th of October 2020. Daniel, could you start off by providing a brief overview of the scope of the EU FDI regulation and explain how it sits alongside the FDI regimes of individual EU member states, a number of which we've discussed in recent episodes of this FDI Friday series? Sure. So the main objectives of the FDI regulation are, one, to provide an EU-wide cooperation framework between member states and the Commission, and two, to establish common criteria to identify risks relating to the acquisition of control by foreign investors of strategic assets that might be threatening security public order in the EU. As a starting point, it is worth mentioning that the FDI regulation is only concerned with inward FDI, that is investment from abroad in asset space in the EU, and not with intra-EU investments. Outward investment and access to market in third countries by EU companies are dealt with via other trade and investment policy instruments. The FDI regulation does also not create an EU-wide system for vetting FDI. The Commission still has limited powers in this regard, and the primary responsibility for vetting FDI remains with the Member States, which will continue to apply the national laws and regulations, but following the general rules set out in the FDI regulation. What the FDI regulation does is to require those individual member states to share certain information about transactions which are subject to review on a national level and require member states which currently have an existing FDI screening mechanism or any future FDI screening mechanisms to ensure that their screening mechanisms complies with a minimum set of substantive and procedural requirements. And on that point, whilst member states don't have an obligation to adopt FDI screening mechanisms, the Commission certainly encourages all EU member states to adopt such rules. And the vast majority now have such mechanisms in, in place or have initiatives underway to introduce one. For example, there have recently been new legislative initiatives and consultation processes in relation to FDI screening mechanisms in uh, Belgium, Croatia, Estonia, Greece, Ireland, Luxembourg and Sweden. And as of October 2023, the only jurisdiction with no publicly reported initiatives is Bulgaria, with Cyprus also having made limited progress following the submission of a draft FDI bill to the Cabinet of Ministers in September 2022. So overall, one can say that the EU FDI regulation is primarily a tool to enable the exchange of information between the Member States and the Commission in order to cooperate in relation to transactions that may affect the public security or public order in the EU, while also providing a means of encouraging all EU member states to adopt national level screening mechanisms, which meet certain minimum standards, even if the result is still far from full harmonization of those mechanisms. 
Thanks, Daniel. And in terms of the scope of the EU FDI regulation and the new cooperation mechanism, does that apply generally to all FDI into the EU or is it only concerned with investment in certain sectors? So the FDI regulation covers any FDI from third countries with no monetary thresholds where the investment may raise concerns in relation to the security of public order in the EU, irrespective of the economic sector or sectors in which the target is active. However, these two concepts, um, security and public order, are not explicitly defined in the regulation. And instead, there is a non-exhaustive list of sensitive sectors that member states and the Commission should focus on when assessing whether a particular transaction is likely to affect security or public order in the EU. So in that sense, there is a focus on particular sectors. These sensitive sectors include critical infrastructure, critical technologies and dual-use items, the supply of critical inputs, access to sensitive information, including personal data, and the freedom and pluralism of the media. One exception worth pointing out in terms of scope is that the FDI regulation does not apply to portfolio investments. According to the Commission, this is because portfolio investments are generally less likely than direct FDI to pose risks in terms of security or public order. Thanks. And in terms of what the EU FDI regulation means for the screening mechanisms of individual EU member states, you've mentioned already that the regulation doesn't seek to fully harmonise national regimes. But what is therefore the impact of the regulation in practice in terms of those minimum requirements and possible changes to national screening mechanisms? Yes. So as mentioned already, the FDI regulation does not oblige member states to adopt FDI screening mechanisms or to fully harmonize existing FDI screening mechanisms throughout the EU. But what it does is to require member states to be transparent about the circumstances in which FDI will trigger a review at the national level and the procedure to be, to be applied in such cases. I will speak about this in more details shortly, but just to mention here that the FDI regulation requires member states to notify the Commission and other member states of any FDI that is subject to screening in their territory. Other member states, that is, other than the notifying member state, can make comments and the Commission can issue an opinion if they consider that the FDI in question raises concerns for the security of public order at a national or EU level. It is in this context that the FDI regulation requires member states to set timeframes in their own national screening mechanisms in a way that they are sufficiently long to allow for comments from other member states or for an opinion from the Commission. The FDI regulation also requires that the national FDI screening mechanism do not discriminate in respect of third countries. The national screening mechanisms should also protect confidential information and they should allow foreign investors a right of appeal against screening decisions that are not in their favor. Member states also have an obligation to report the existing screening mechanisms and any amendments to the Commission and to submit an annual report, including details of transaction screens, prohibitions, conditions imposed, the value of screen investment and the origin of the FDI. Thanks. Could you talk us through a bit more about how that review process works under the EU FDI regulation? So it's the national authorities of individual EU member states that are still the ultimate decision makers, but the European Commission can also give its views. How does that actually work in practice and how do the various stages of the review process play out? Sure. So as mentioned before, the FDI regulation requires member states to notify the Commission and other member states of any FDI that is subject to screening in their territory by providing certain information. 
This includes a list of member states whose security or public order is deemed likely to be affected by the FDI, as well as information relating to the ownership structure of the investor, the value of the FDI, the business operations of both the investor and target, the funding of the investments, including the source of funding and the date of completion. Such a notification triggers a so-called phase one, which lasts a maximum of 15 calendar days. During phase one, if member states, that is other than the notifying member state, consider that the notified FDI is likely to affect the security of public order in their national territory, or, or if they have information that might be relevant for this particular transaction, then they have the right to make comments and ask questions to the notified member state. In the same way, if the Commission considers that the notified FDI is likely to affect security or public order in more than one member state, or a project or program of union interest, or when the Commission has relevant information to share, the Commission can issue an opinion addressed to the notified member state. If a member state wishes to make comments or if the Commission intends to issue an opinion, it must inform the notifying member state of this intention by no later than the end of the initial 15 calendar days in phase one. Comments from the member state must then be provided and or the opinion from the Commission must then be issued within 35 calendar days from receipt of the notification from the notifying member state. Within those 15 calendar days, other member states and the Commission may also request that the member state undertaking the screening provides additional information, which opens what is known as phase two. A member state or the Commission may also request additional information, provided that any request for additional information is justified, limited and proportionate to what is strictly necessary and not too burdensome. If additional information is requested by a member state or the Commission, the member state must submit its comment or the Commission must send its opinion to the notifying member state no later than 20 calendar days from receipt of the additional information, which in practice means that any information request effectively stops the clock of the review. One important point is that comments from member states and opinions from the Commission are not legally binding on the notifying member state, which means that member states are free to adopt a final decision according to their own rules, but they must always comply with the framework set out by the FDI regulation. Member states are, however, required to give due consideration to comments from member states and opinions from the Commission. And if the member states uh, doing the FDI screening deviates from them, then they must explain why. Thanks, Daniel. And just to clarify, who are the relevant decision-making authorities in this process? So presumably at national level in the individual member states, you have the FDI agencies, but what about at European Commission level? Yes, so in terms of the relevant authorities dealing with actual FDI cases, at the national level, the relevant authorities are appointed by the member states according to their own rules. And at the EU level, all matters relating to the FDI regulation are dealt with by the Directorate General for Trade of the European Commission, so DG Trade, and more specifically, Unit F4, dealing with technology, security and FDI screening. Thanks. And in terms of the practical impact of the cooperation mechanism and the review process allowing other member states and the European Commission to review and comment on a transaction, how has this been playing out in practice on transactions you've advised on? And in particular, what sort of impact does it tend to have on the overall deal timetable? Hey, Rose, I think we, we advised uh, recently on, on the transactions, on a transaction which was of a European interest. And the, the impacts are, are, are several fold. The first one is that um, 
when you are the buyer, you, you need to prepare a filing, which in French, but also in English. So that means more work and more time that needs to be dedicated to prepare the filing. The second impact is that um, in the middle of the process, uh, you start receiving questions uh, from, actually, we don't know by whom, but we have started receiving questions from member states uh, or from the commission about the target uh, of the business that uh, we are trying to acquire. These questions were received approximately two to three months after we made uh, the first filing, uh, which clearly had an impact on the timing of uh, the review by uh, the French regulator. Um, and I think we estimate um, uh, that impact of close to being close to two to three months, uh, the, the delay that this review process has caused. Um, probably the last thing I would, I would want to mention on this is that uh, uh, you are not, that there's a, a bit of a lack of transparency because we do not know uh, who is asking the questions and uh, you know what state, uh, what is uh, the context uh, of, of these questions. And we don't know whether the answer to these questions may have an impact on the process as well. So I really wanted to draw the attention of our listeners to, 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 to that lack of, of transparency. Thanks, Hubert. Really interesting to hear your first-hand experience of the impact in practice. Marius, do you have anything to add from a German perspective? Yes, indeed, there are some German aspects worth mentioning here. First of all, the German government has decided with quite significant implications to notify under the EU mechanism only national FDI filings where competent ministry has initiated what we call a phase two investigation. By way of a background, and as we lined out in more detail in the German episode on the FDI um, filing procedure in Germany, under German FDI law, a filing always starts with a phase one review. Within this initial review period, the ministry has two months to either approve the investment or to open formal proceedings. And these open proceedings are then called phase two. Phase two will then last up to another four months or even longer, in case the deadline is extended on various possible grounds. And to give you some, some figures, in 2022, 306 German FDI screenings were conducted by the ministry. And out of these 306, only 25 cases, or 8%, were not cleared within phase one. So only these 25 cases that went then to the phase two were notified under the EU FDI regulation cooperation mechanism. And by the decision of the German government only to notify phase two cases, they have managed to minimize the involvement of the EU and other member states and to concentrate the EU screening on really relevant cases. Thanks, Marius. That sounds like a really interesting approach by the German government there, clearly massively reducing the number of cases subject to FDI screening in Germany that are actually impacted by the cooperation mechanism under the EU FDI regulation. Is that interpretation of the notification obligation on member states something that is accepted by the European Commission? We have no insights into how this may have been discussed between the German government and the EU Commission or other member states but we know that this practice is at least accepted by the EU Commission. 
And in my personal view, this is a very useful approach. According to the official numbers, Germany has been notified last year under the screening mechanism of 264 non-German transactions. And this is almost the same number as the German national FDI filing procedures. And given the fact that, again, according to our personal experience, by far the most relevant feedback on specific filings comes from the Commission itself and not the other member states, it makes perfect sense to limit the number of screenings and to save capacities for really complex cases. Thanks. And do you see any delay caused by the involvement of the European Commission and other member states as a result of that cooperation mechanism introduced by the EU FDI regulation, Marius, in the cases you've advised on in Germany? Uh, there's, there's good news from Germany this time. So according to our personal experience, that has never been the case so far. And we've also uh, discussed this with the German government. And our contact confirmed that they were not aware of any relevant delay in a case subject to FDI screening in Germany that has been caused by an involvement of the EU Commission or other member states. And again, I think this is a result of Germany's decision to only notify phase two cases. Phase two, the relevant deadlines are per se longer and at least in practice more flexible. So the parallel review process under the EU cooperation mechanism has less of an impact on the overall timing on the FDI review process at the national level. Thanks, Marius. Some really interesting insights into the German perspective there. Stepping back for a moment to the bigger picture, in terms of the number of cases being reviewed under this new cooperation framework and any trends that we can see emerging, I know the Commission has just published its third annual report on the operation of the EU FDI regulation. Picking up on the headline statistics included in that report and drawing on your recent experience of advising clients in this area, could I ask you to pick out the most interesting points for investors and highlight any interesting trends? Sure. So the Commission's third annual report on FDI has been published on 19 October, just in time for this podcast. As with previous reports, this third annual report provides some interesting insights and statistics on FDI flows and FDI screening activity at the national EU level. According to the third annual report, the majority of import FDI into the EU in 2022 originated from the US and the UK, which remains the same as in 2021. One difference compared to 2021 is that in 2022, China was replaced as the most important jurisdiction of import FDI for greenfield investments by what the report calls offshore financial centers, which includes Bermuda, British Virgin Islands, Cayman Islands, Mauritius, and the UK Channel Islands. In terms of target EU countries receiving the most inward FDI in 2022, Germany remained the first destination, followed by Spain, Italy, France, and the Netherlands. The most prominent sectors in the EU remained information and communication technology manufacturing. However, the number of acquisitions in these two sectors declined by almost 20% in 2022 compared to 2021. In terms of screening activity at the national level in 2022, there was a decline in the overall number of requests for FDI authorities, including ex officio cases, from 1,563 in 2021 to 1,444 in 2022. According to the report, there is a clear trend towards screening more cases formally. Only about 45% of applications were deemed ineligible. And out of the cases formally screened in 2022, the overwhelming majority, 86%, were authorized without conditions. 
national authorities only block transactions in 1% of all cases. At the EU level in 2022, 70 member states submitted a total of 423 notifications, which constitutes only a slight increase compared to 2021, where 414 cases were notified. Six member states were responsible for more than 90% of those notifications, and these are Austria, Denmark, France, Germany, Italy and Spain. The four sectors with the highest number of transactions subject to notification in the EU in 2022 were manufacturing, ICT, professional activities, wholesale and retail, which is fairly similar to 2021. Of the 423 cases notified in 2022, 81% were closed by the Commission in phase one, that is within the initial 15 calendar days, and only 11% of those cases proceeded to phase two with additional information being requested from the notifying member state. Again, these numbers are fairly similar to the ones reported for 2021. Thanks, Daniel. And finishing off by looking to the future, you mentioned just now that the European Commission is currently evaluating the operation of the EU FDI regulation to date. Could you explain a bit more about where that process has currently got to and offer perhaps any insights into reforms that could be on the horizon? Sure. So on 14th of June 2023, the Commission launched a targeted consultation inviting all stakeholders with first-hand experience of investment screening, for example, businesses, trade associations, law firms, and member states, to provide comments on whether the FDI regulation remains fit for purpose. The consultation closed on 21st July 2023, and since then, the Commission has been considering the responses received and considering possible proposals for reform. We had expected to see a report from the Commission to the European Parliament and the European Council with a possible proposal to amend the FDI regulation by 12th October 2023, which is the date set by Article 15 of the FDI regulation for the first evaluation report. But the report is not yet publicly available, so we will have to wait and see whether the Commission sees a need to make any changes to the FDI regulation. The consultation page on the European Commission's website indicates that it intends to do so by the end of the year. The one possible change to the FDI regulation that could be on the horizon comes on the back of the Excella judgment from 13 July 2023. In this case, the Court of Justice of the EU ruled that the freedom of establishment provided under Article 54 of the Treaty on the Function of the EU must be interpreted as precluding a foreign investment mechanism, in this case, the FDI screening mechanism of Hungary, that prohibits an investment by a company established in an EU member state, but which is foreign owned, on the grounds of concerns related to the security of supply in the construction sector at the local level in Hungary. While this case is quite specific to the circumstances at hand in Hungary, the court spent a considerable amount of time discussing the scope of the FDI regulation. The court ultimately finds that the scope of the FDI regulation is limited to investments in the European Union made by undertakings constituted or otherwise organized under the laws of a third country. And importantly, this does not extend to EU companies, that is companies having their corporate seat in the EU, even if they have foreign ownership, as was the case in the Excel judgment, where the acquirer was indirectly owned by a company that was registered in Bermuda, and on that basis, the Hungarian authorities applied their FDI rules and prohibited the transaction between two EU-based companies. So going forward, 
This means that the scope of the FDI regulation should be interpreted strictly as covering only direct investments by investors from third countries. According to this interpretation, the FDI regulation does not apply to situations where the acquirer is an EU company that is incorporated in the EU, even if the ultimate direct or indirect owner is from a third country. This means, for example, that investments made by EU-based companies, which are controlled by a Chinese investor, are no longer within the scope of the FDI regulation. These transactions may still fall under the national FDI rules of the member states, but if a transaction is prohibited, the parties may be able to argue that the FDI, FDI regulation does not apply and that, in any event, they are protected by the principle of free movement of capital under Article 54 of the treaty, which can only be enjoyed by EU companies. Advocate General Capita, in her opinion, already called on the Commission to clarify the scope of the FDI regulation so that it applies not only to investments by foreign investors from third countries, but also to transactions involving EU companies which are owned by a foreign investor. It remains to be seen whether the Commission will include this clarification in a revised version of the I regulation or whether it will follow the ruling from the court. Thanks, Daniel. And thanks also to Hubert and Marius for what's been a really interesting discussion, exploring what the EU FDI regulation means in practice. And thanks for sharing your insights into how the new cooperation mechanism is playing out. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for today, but thanks to our listeners for joining us. And please do let us know if you have any feedback on this episode or indeed any suggestions for areas to cover in future episodes of FDI Friday. This week, I've also been discussing the new EU foreign subsidies regulation with Loda van den Hende, Kyriakos Fantukakos, Maurice Schoenberg and James Robinson. And that episode is also now live on our website alongside this one. Looking ahead to next Friday, we'll be resuming our international tour across our network of FDI experts and turning the spotlight on FDI regulation in China and Indonesia. I do hope you can join us then.